Shut up and sit down. Hello and welcome to the Futures Focus podcast, courtesy of Prospects 1500. You may not remember me or my co-host here, but it is I, <laughs> Alex Sanchez, and my co-host David Gasper are back. Finally, the band is back together. We only took a week off. Well, David, you actually took two weeks off, but yeah. we are back here to talk some baseball. It is the day after opening day as we record this, so we are coming at you a day late. We do apologize for that. I think everybody understands opening day should be a national holiday along with the day after the Super Bowl. I think those are the two that, you know, almost zero work gets done anyway. Might as well give us that day off. But uh, we are back. So, uh, David, how you been? It's been a long time. How are you doing? I'm I'm doing good, man. I, I came back from I was down in Arizona for spring training for a little bit, then being able to go to opening day. Uh, it's just been it's been great, man. So much baseball recently after not having it for so long. It's like an overload in a sense, for sure. It's like it's all back. I got games. I'm watching like I was watching the Red Sox Orioles game today and I was like, why am I watching this? But it was fantastic. No, no offense <laughs> to Scott. Uh, he his Red Sox managed some, you know, two hits on the day. That's, a, you know, Ooh. almost a hit every other inning. So that's pretty good. <laughs> For the Red Sox. Anyway, let's uh, let's talk about the episode today, and we'll get right into it. It's uh, it's a weird time for a prospect podcast because we had, you know, the rosters are finalized. We don't have minor league games, so felt that it was a, maybe a good time to do a bold predictions episode. So that's kind of what the main gist of today's episode is going to be. We also have uh, some news and notes to get to as well, and also. I kind of wanted to go over our opening day experiences. So uh, let's start there. How was your opening day experience with Milwaukee? Quite a crazy game there. Um, what do you have to share with everybody about how it went? Oh, man, it, it was epic just being back there and, and going to the ballpark and walking in, you know, getting the, the ticket scanned and, and just walking in the door. It was a little bit chilly. It was probably about, you know, 38 degrees outside and it's it was 60 today so it's like this is annoying um but yeah so go in there and just walking in seeing the field um for the first time in so long i'm gonna be honest i cried a little bit there to like it was it it was really emotional and then just kind of walking around um going going around seeing people i saw you know the usher um by my section who's always been there i got to talk to him for a little bit um, you know, talk to a couple of guys um, in the in the press box and say hi to them. And it was just really cool, man, just being back there, walking around, seeing fans in there um, and, you know, sitting sitting in our seats and just watching the game. And we had, you know, the, the tributes before the game because we were playing the Brewers are playing the Twins. So you had uh, the tribute there for, for Mike Bell, who mm-hmm. uh, tragically died a little bit ago. And then there was also... Uh, one for Audrey Keene, the former or the wife of former Brewers manager Harvey Keene, and then Don Sutton, and then of course uh, Henry Aaron. Um, so it was a really emotional time there. And then they have this 12-year-old girl who sings the national anthem, and it is incredible. 
like seriously, I had literal chills there. I was I was already like on the verge of tears from the Hank Aaron tribute. This one's just all coming down. So it's just, oh man, it, it was it was crazy there to start. Just so much going on there at, at once, and then I mean the game starts and you got so much going on with you know Woodruff going up against Maeda and seeing Yelich uh, for the first time since his contract extension. Um, so that was huge for for the fans and just feeling the the energy build back up of the crowd. It, it didn't take long for booze for the umpires uh, or booze for anyone else. Um, and then, of course, you know, just kind of the the craziness of, of the ending of the game. Alex Colome giving up three runs, blowing the lead in the ninth inning, um, and then winning it in extras after Josh Hader locked down the top of the tenth, throwing 100 miles an hour, just blowing everyone away. First time he's done that. And then Orlando Arcia with the with the game winning RBI and the walk off. Man, it was just it was a crazy day, and it, it was awesome to be, to be back. Yeah, it was a surreal moment. It felt like it's been, you know, a decade, and it also felt like, it, you know, it was it, just the other day we had baseball. So it was kind of like that mixed emotion that I got as well. I went to the Angels-White Sox opener yesterday. Um, how How is the capacity in Milwaukee? What were you guys at? We are at a 25% up here. So the, yeah. the announced attendance was 11,740 people, but... When you had the big moments, uh, when you had the the Travis Shaw double in the ninth to tie it up, uh, it felt like you had forty thousand there. It was it was great. Yeah, I, I, we were at twenty five percent as well. It it was weird because getting in there, you see this huge line, you know, because it took a little bit longer to get everybody checked in. Um, you had you know the crowd, you could hear hecklers clearer than ever, which was interesting. And then at times when it got loud. Uh, you, know, my, you know, Mike Trout's RBI, uh, game tying RBI there. It was got very, very loud again, and you forgot that, you know, a quarter of the people were there. So um, also sentimental. It's funny. The White Sox also had kind of a um, a ceremony for Eloy Jimenez. <laughs> they for brought Eloy? out. Yeah, they brought out his jersey and it was like all the signatures and stuff as if he was like out for his career. And uh, <laughs> Jose Abreu uh, he, it took me the longest time. He was at, you know, at the plate and he's wearing his batting gloves and in the back pocket are some red batting gloves. And I was like, why does he have red batting gloves in the back of his pocket? And, uh, you know, finally after figuring it out, you know, Eloy wears those red <laughs> batting gloves. It's like, dude, he's going to be back in a few yeah, months. He, he didn't it. die. Like, like the worst thing that happened to you, Chicago, you're doing okay. Um, he's out for four months. Yeah. (laughs) That was kind of funny. I think it was more of a tongue in cheek, April fool's thing than anything, but it was interesting. Um, but yeah, great to be back. I I did want to ask you though, uh, about your experience in, in beverages. (laughs) So uh, let me go over my experience and I just want to know if it's the same. So my, my buddy and I were sitting there, none of the concession stands are open. And there's a, you know, throughout the game, it's text angels 474747 for your order. And so we're like, cool, we'll do that. So we text our order. We get a, you know, a couple beers and it's like, all right, we'll text you when your order is ready. And I was like, okay, they're going to bring us the beers to our seats. It might take a while, but that's fine. Uh, you know, about half an hour rolls by, no text, no anything. And we kind of like, well, you know what? I think we have to go pick these beers up. Fine. Okay. So we find this place that's, you know, clearly where we need to go. And the line is literally, you know, I don't know, 35, 40 people deep. So I don't understand why I had to order my food 
and my beer on my app just to go stand in a line, which I could just get COVID the same way. It was so strange. <laughs> so we ordered our beers in like the fourth inning. We ended up getting them in like the seventh inning. There were people behind oh. us getting beers. So people are getting beers in the eighth and ninth inning and they're like going to drive home in 10 minutes. So it's like, okay, yeah, you're not getting COVID, but you're going to drive home drunk now because it took two hours to get a beer. So that clearly is weird and I think will be fixed soon, but I don't know if that was what Milwaukee was doing, but that's what's happening. No, dude, Milwaukee prioritizes beer. Uh, (laughs) That's the most important part of our fan experience. So if it takes anything longer than, than 10 minutes to get a beer, people are going to be pretty upset. So yeah, no, for me, I, when I went to the concession stand, just, you know, waited in the relatively short line and just, you know, okay, you know, I'll have, you know, my, you know, beer and whatever ordered that and just kind of poured me the, Poured me the cup and and I went on my way. It didn't take long at all. Got to show my ID because I'm still a youthful fellow. So <laughs> um, at least youthful looking. No, I'm only, I'm only 24, so it's fine. Uh, but yeah, so it did not take long at all. It was it was good. And it was yeah. It was, it was it's Miller Lite, you know, because that's yeah. that's how we roll in Milwaukee. So yeah. Everybody was so upset in the line, so it's it's clearly like, oh my gosh, we did not think this through type of thing. But yeah, the, like that, that was the first like they had all the concession stands like open. Some of them were just you know your text pickup, but you could still go to regular concession stands, mm-hmm. just order there and just pay with yeah. a card. That wasn't um, the case. And, and get your stuff. Yeah, and it I think was, there was just, on the app it showed there was four concession stands open. That you oh, can go to, dude. That, so it was they got to get that. They got to get that going out there in California. Yeah. Yeah, like they had every concession stand open in, in the ballpark. So, well, uh, I think that the issue was that they opened up capacity like three days before. So I, I don't think they had planned it and weren't able to plan it. So they were. I think they were ready for like ten percent, but they bumped it up. Mm. And I think that might have been what it was. But it was just. It's just a friendly reminder that you know we're. As much as we're getting back to normal, we're still far from what we're used to. <laughs> um, but opening day is opening day. Fantastic. The Brewers won. The Angels won. If you if you you know care about the teams that we went to go see. Um, <laughs> well, if you care about the Twins, I'm sorry. Yeah. White Sox, uh, <laughs> you know who I like this year, did not start Andrew Vaughn for some reason. Oh, I was excited to see his first MLB game, and I missed it. By one day, I think he's starting um, on Friday. So, alas, uh, I think, uh, you know, not everybody got to go to opening day. I think it's important to share our experiences and let you know in case you are planning to go out. It it is a lot of normal. To me, it's about, you know, an 85% normal type of game with just (laughs) some weird things that remind you we're still in COVID era. (laughs) Um, Let's move on from that. We do want to get to some prospect talk here. But, um, again, opening day, national holiday, write your politicians so that we can, you know, Democratic, <laughs> Republican, we can all get on board. Um, getting on to uh, the next part that I wanted to touch on in the news and notes section here are the prospects that officially made their opening day rosters. And I have a list here. There's a few that we we already knew, and there was a few that definitely are surprises. So um, let me read off a few here, and then we can talk about one or two that catch your eye. So I want to start with these four. Uh, Garrett Whitlock for the Red Sox, a reliever, locked down a bullpen spot. 
Kyle Isbell for the Royals, an outfielder slash infielder. Uh, you know, he's, he could play third or, and second, but he was playing the outfield. Had a nice debut for the Royals, kind of a surprise starter there. Um, had three hits. Uh, Akil Badu for the Tigers made a roster spot after uh, having a good spring. And, you know, he's a Rule 5 draft. So, he, you know, his path wasn't too shocking, but uh, they decided to go with it. It is the Tigers. They, they probably have some roster spots. Andrew Vaughn, again, that was probably um, half due to the fact that he is awesome and also half due to the fact that aforementioned Eloy Jimenez was hurt. Um, Chris Rodriguez actually secured a location in the Angels bullpen. Um, let me start with him, and then you can mention one of those other four that you wanted to discuss. But Chris Rodriguez, who, again, was one of my guys to watch for spring training. I was very happy that he made the team. However, I'm actually disappointed that they're putting him into the bullpen. And the comments that Joe Madden was saying is he's going to be a great reliever. He's a reliever. And it almost made it sound like he might stay in that role for an extended period of time, which makes me sad because I had high, high hopes for him as a starter. And it's not like that rotation for the Angels is anything that you can't break through. No. Um, so it kind of like takes me off of Chris Rodriguez, it, despite him making the team for this year. So I'd actually like bump him down in rankings, um, if, especially if he dominates and like all of a sudden he's their closer or eighth inning guy and never gets back to the rotation. I think he's um, definitely a starter long term if, if they want him to be, but I don't know if they want him to be. So anyway, um, that's my thoughts on Chris Rodriguez. What are your thoughts on some of those other guys that made the team? Anything to add? Again, those were Garrett Whitlock, Kyle Isbell, Akil Badu, and Andrew Vaughn. Yeah, just just kind of a quick note on Rodriguez there. It's like, yeah, I'm a big fan of of him too. And, you know, it's maybe a little bit surprising that, that they're not going to have him there in that rotation because they really could use all the help that they can get there. Um, and, yeah, I'm a huge fan of him. And, you know, he's got four pitches, but, you know, maybe they could use him in – uh, maybe like the Josh Hader type role where he can be kind of a multi-inning weapon out of the bullpen. And, you know, if he sticks around there, I mean, there could still be some value there. Uh, maybe not as much value, but still still some value. Um, and then when it comes to the other guys, uh, Garrett Whitlock is one that um, I think is pretty interesting. I've got him on my uh, team in a Chappies prospect challenge. So uh, really rooting for him now, especially. Uh, but yeah, so he's someone that I, I think really could be a good piece in that Boston bullpen, which could also use some help as Boston's kind of retooling um, and trying to get themselves back. Um, so with Whitlock kind of being back there and earning his spots, you know, he could end up being a big part of the that future bullpen, that, that future pitching staff out there in Boston. So uh, there's a lot to like with him as well. Three more guys. These next three aren't really too surprising. In fact, we probably could have Told you this a few weeks ago, but just to make it official, Taylor Trammell for the Mariners is starting in the outfield. Christian Pache, which, again, I would have bet a lot that he would have made the team as a starter, and that's indeed what happened, even without a, a very remarkable spring. He is the starting center fielder for the Braves, and Jazz Chisholm did beat out your boy, uh, Asan Diaz, to— Oh, he's not my boy anymore. <laughs> <laughs> your ex-boy, to become the uh, starting second baseman for the Marlins, so— Nothing crazy there. Um, I don't know if any of those guys are going to be fantasy superstars this year, but long term, if you're a dynasty owner of those guys, you're probably pretty happy. Of those three, if you had to pick one for this year to perform the best offensively, who do you think you'd take? Hmm. Um, I might say Jazz Chisholm. 
you know, I, I, I really like Jazz. I, I think he could be a, a really good part of that Marlins team that, I mean, they built up a, a pretty good system, pretty good young core group of guys um, after they traded away another really good core young group of guys. Um, but, yeah, he's someone that, you know, he won that, that starting job fair and square. He had a really good spring. And, you know, I think he can he can carry that over and he can solidify that starting job going forward. I, I'm a I'm a big Jazz Chisholm fan. I wasn't as much of a Nissan Diaz fan. <laughs> That's why I was fine when the Brewers traded him. Um, but yeah, it's um, I, I'm a I'm big in the Jazz Chisholm camp. Yeah, I think if I had to pick one, that would be my choice too. And especially with fantasy, I think he's going to be, yeah, you know, a good shot for 15, 15. You know, 30 combined some way or another to get to those home runs and stolen bases. And uh, he's, you know, he's has some experience. So Taylor Trammell is making his debut, you know, um, mm-hmm. and, you know, figuring things out. Jazz already is kind of a little bit ahead of them. Pache, too, as well. I never loved Pache's bat, um, but in the outfield, you know, too bad we don't play in <laughs> defensive fantasy leagues, or at least not many of us do. Although we, I think we should. I, I do think we should. Yeah. Uh, two other names here as well that were a little surprising, especially if I would have told you at the beginning of spring. That's former first rounder Jonathan India for the Reds is going to be their uh, starting second baseman. And Tucapita Marcano for the Padres has made the team. Um, I'll speak upon him and maybe you can touch on India really quick. Uh, he's a guy that, you know, we've talked about on this podcast already, uh, having a great hit tool, had a fantastic spring. We're going to talk about some of our articles we wrote a little bit later. I did touch on him that he put it together in terms of adding a little bit of oomph to that bat as well. So the hit tool, you know, if you have that, you have a good shot. You can put them all around the infield. He uh, He's probably not going to get too many at bats, I would imagine, here at the start. And I do think that when the Padres get fully healthy, because if you look, the Padres actually put, I don't know, five or six guys on the IL to start the season. And so I think that's more of the reason why he made it. And they're just like, you know what? Come on up. You might be good to pinch run or to to play some defense or whatnot. But uh, nice to see that they're not afraid to bring up guys when they deserve it. So I'm I'm proud of my Padres organization there. But uh, do you have any thoughts on Jonathan India for the Reds? Yeah, I mean, India is a guy that that I really like. I drafted him in our in our dynasty league that, that we got with Nate there. Um, I was not expecting him to be up this early though, so I had a quick clear roster spot for him um, uh, on the big league team. But yeah, I mean, he's a guy who's a really good hit, a re- really strong hit tool, and um, someone that you know could be a big part of that uh, Reds infield for for years to come. And you know, I, I know they're kind of uh, looking for. Uh, some some room with you know a Eugenio Suarez moving over to to short and you got Mike Mustakis there for third, um, so I think they got India mostly at second base right now. I, I think he was drafted as a third baseman if I recall correctly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so you know that that could be his long term home after uh, Mike Mustakis's contract is up, or maybe they could move Mustakis back to second at some point. Who knows? He's he's been playing all over himself. Um, so we'll see what they do, but you know, with the way that he's going to hit, you'll find a spot for him in that lineup somewhere. Yeah. Two for four. And, uh, just fun fact here. He had seven assists yesterday. So he got seven ground balls. That's a lot. See, we, we need to have that defensive <laughs> fantasy league. Yeah. Then I'd be on top. 
You'd be on top. I think I want to find a way to get a, a war league. I think there there's a way where we can do war only for fantasy, but I haven't perfected it yet, so I'm not releasing that to the public. But that's my next big project. <laughs> All right. Well, when you get that figured out, let me yeah. know. That would be that would be interesting. Uh, the last piece of information we'll get on to the the rest of the episode here is uh, Sixto Sanchez did have a little bit of um, some arm issues there and is in for an MRIs. That's a little concerning. I figured we should mention it. He, I don't think he was going to even be making the team anyway. They had plans for him to kind of, you know, take it easy. They're probably only looking for 100 to 120 innings max from him, if that. So I'm not too alarmed quite yet, but it is a little depressing when one of our favorite prospects and, you know, part of the family gets a little bit uh, of a, a injury scare there with an MRI. So uh, that's pretty much it for the news and notes. What I want to do after we come back is uh, discuss some of the articles that you and I just put up on the site briefly. Uh, we have some divisional predictions to get to, some bold predictions as well, and even a little bit of uh, gambling, a little bit of the betting line uh, to, to jump into. So uh, we'll be right back after this, and, and we'll go over all of that. And we are back here on the Futures Focus Podcast. I'm Alex Sanchez. Joined with me today, David Gasper. We're taking the episode over, just us two. It's been so long. We wanted to kind of be a little selfish, I guess, and uh, hear ourselves talk for a long time. We'll get some more guests here. It's a weird time of year in terms of the, you know, Major League Baseball is clearly on everybody's minds. So uh, why not fight? Why fight it? And let's just, you know, join and see what's happening up on the on the big leagues. But um, before we do that, I did want to ask you a little bit. You uh, published an article here on the site, prospects1500.com, on March 27th, for Brewers prospects that are impressing in spring training. Um, and without even opening the link, I knew two of the people right away that would be on here, um, Garrett Mitchell and Hedbert Perez. So... I know I know you were very high on them going into spring training, but what did they do in spring training that uh, got you to write about them? Or is it just like a friendly reminder to be like, hey, I'm really I really like these guys or, uh, you know, what did they did they show you something more than you thought going in? Yeah, you, you're using those context clues from the picture there associated with the article. For sure. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, for for those two guys, um, th- there was. Um, a lot that stood out, and they were both very different in in terms of what stood out uh, with each of them. I'll start with Garrett Mitchell. Um, and what stood out with him uh, should be pretty much obvious to you know anyone who really kind of watched him. You know, through his first 17 games, he was 11 for 29. Uh, I think he started off 10 for 20. And I mean, he's you know double home run, like triple. Whole bunch of RBIs, stolen bases, just absolutely uh, insane numbers that and and stuff that he was putting up. Big exit velos. Um, he was impressing not just the Brewers, but really everyone in the Cactus League, all the other rival executives and scouts and anyone who anyone in baseball who watched him was like, this kid is impressive. So naturally he had to be he had to be atop the list. But yeah, just with how he was earning playing time in spring training and coming in and making baseball look really easy. He was hitting very well against a lot of big league pitchers. 
Yeah, and let's not and, forget it was his debut, right? I mean, he hadn't yeah. he didn't get a chance. That's even more impressive. Yeah, he only had a few games in instructional league last fall since getting drafted because um, he missed most of it with a quad injury. But, you know, he was he was 100% here, and, yeah, he hit the ground running. And it was just super impressive to see. And uh, I know Brewers fans have maybe a little bit exaggerated the timeline for, for what it could be for – his return's like, oh, yeah, maybe, you know, just bring him up right away. Why not? It's like, no, no, he's not coming up right away. But maybe next year, later next year um, at, at the earliest. Um, and right. that's only if, you know, an injury or something arises. But more likely early 2023 uh, is when we're going to first see Garrett Mitchell in the big leagues. But, you know, there, there was uh, a big, you know, comp, uh, a comparison that, that I've seen for Garrett Mitchell um, and you know, someone that I know that you like a lot, Nick Markakis. So <laughs> if Garrett Mitchell turns into Nick Markakis, who was a pretty solid fantasy player over the years, uh, fantasy baseball guy over the years, uh, I think a lot of people will be pretty happy with that. And, you know, if the power continues to show up, um, which had started to there in spring, he could be even better. Yeah. I mean, Nick never stole bases the way that Clearly, Mitchell has the potential to do. Yeah. So that's exciting. If you can get Nick Markakis with 30 stolen bases, I think that's uh, 30 stolen bases and, and maybe 20 to 30 home runs. You know, yeah, that yeah, that that with, with now, a consistent you're, you're 280 to 290, that, 300 yeah, batting average. Even yeah, if it, even if it's I, 15 home runs, that's still going to be fine. Yeah, I think you're beyond Nick Markakis then at that point, but still. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then Hedbert. What did, you know, I saw a few videos of him. He made, you know, I saw a diving play out in the outfield. Uh, Were you able to get a look at him uh, a little bit more in spring training to uh, get you even more excited? Yeah, yeah. When I I was down there, um, I saw Hedbert um, walking back after, you know, the game on Saturday and just, you know, trying to, you know, talk to him a little, little bit. And I asked him, it's like, you like, you know, you're going to be getting in the game, man. You get, you getting in the game tomorrow. He's like, yeah, hey, yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe um, he's walking back in um, on Sunday and I'm sitting down there because um, our seats were down in, in the second row between where the players walk in and the dugout. So he was walking in. And I'm just like, you know, hey. And he's like, and he, he, I could tell he recognized me. He's like, hey. And he's like, I'm getting in today. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> So, yeah, then, and then he ended up getting in uh, that game and, and going out there. And um, he he hit into a ground out. So, you know, that, that wasn't, like, super great for the brand. Um, but um, really just kind of the fact that Hedbert was getting into games in the Cactus League. He got into, I think, three or four games. Um, he's 17 years old. Yeah. He has not played in the Dominican Summer League. He hasn't played in complex ball. He hasn't played Nabal. He hasn't played anywhere. He was at the alternate training site last year, and then he was at Instructs, and that's pretty much been it since he's been signed. So for Hedbert to earn playing time in the Cactus League at such a young age and really um, impress uh, the, the team, and I mean, Craig Council was, was super impressed with him and the fact that, you know, he was getting out there and, you know, what he did, you know, he didn't get any hits. I don't think, I think he flew out to right in his final at bat, but he also had the big diving catch to rob Luis Robert of a base hit of extra bases. Um, you know, it, it just kind of showcases that defense that he has and that five tool potential um, that I'm always talking about with Hedbert Perez. So yeah, it, it was really just kind of cool to see him 
uh, get into a game, uh, make some appearances. And, and one of our one of our writers at Prospects 1500, Antonio, uh, was was talking to us about you know the the lineage with the Perez family and how his dad Robert Perez is a legend down in Venezuela in the Venezuelan Winter League and um, just kind of the the bloodlines that he has like it's it's legit and uh, it's really going to be exciting to see what kind of a track that the Brewers put him on this year because if they already feel like he's ready for Cactus League games at 17. You know, where could they start him in the minors? I, I think he might be beyond Dominican Summer League. Yeah, it's really exciting that these guys are ahead of schedule, that they are performing well after these challenges. I think that as a Brewers fan, you got to be ecstatic. And it sounds like you are. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> um, also on the website, if you would like to click on it, is my article that I put up. It was the uh, San Diego Padres three up, three down. I don't want to spend too much time on it. I want you to kind of go over there and click on it and read it. The big thing I wanted to highlight, though, was the difference between a guy that's on the risers list, which is Joshua Mears, and then a guy that's on the down list, which was um, Jorge Oña. And they're very similar type of players, and they both had horrific springs. But, and this kind of goes, this relates to Hedbert in a sense, in that Joshua Mears was up. I didn't expect him to get too many at-bats. Um, he's 20 years old, and he had a home run that was 117 miles per hour off of the bat. Oh, man. That's insane. Like, there's very yeah. few people that can do that. However, that was his only hit in the spring. <laughs> now, that's better than what I was expecting, which was for him not to even get plate appearances in the spring. So to me, I put him on the risers list. I think it, it put him on the map. He, we know he's not ready, but if he's capable of doing that, you can't take that away from him. And then I have Jorge Oña, who did make his debut last year for the Padres, who came up and had a similar putrid spring, hitting 105, striking out 11 times in 19 at-bats. The difference is that he is 24 years old. So that that gap makes a big difference for me. And I think I, I wanted to point that out because I think it holds true for many of the teams out there. When these young guys are coming up, and even if they're not hitting 500, like Bobby Witt was there for a bit, um, and they're, they're but they're still look like they belong and Joshua Mears look like a man <laughs> against boys. And it, even if it was for one at bat, like that got me really, really excited. And um, you, you can click on the video on the website too and, and put the sound on. It's insane. The amount that he creates is like a rifle going off. But that, again, it was his only hit, but still um, check out those two articles, prospects1500.com. We also have several other articles that are, I know are in queue at the end of the month here. Um, you have uh, the Orioles prospects uh, that are going to be impacting the opening day roster was just released uh, two days ago. There's some top prospects in the Cactus League. So check out those. And again, you I mean, you should honestly be checking the site every day. There's almost always a new article or two to check out each and every day on the website. Prospects 1500.com. Not just 100, 1500. Um, moving on. 15 times as good. Exactly. That's math. You can't argue math, people. <laughs> now, let's go on to some fun stuff. Let's get a little crazy here, okay? Uh, let's talk about the divisions, and let's put the predictions out. We Everybody makes predictions, right? You talk to your buddies. You talk to your friends. Hey, I bet the, the Dodgers will win the West. Okay, fantastic. But we're going to go on record here so that people can come back and listen to us seven months from now and either see how dumb we are or see how, you know, 
enlightened Smart. truly yeah. are. So let's go ahead and put our, ourselves on the record here. Don't have to, you know, talk about the prospects too much. Let's just keep it to the MLB world. So let's start in the National League. We're both National League people in a sense. Let's go to the AL or the NL West here. Um, and who do, who's winning the division for you? It's a tough one, really, right? When it comes, yeah, to- it, it's a two-horse race there between the Padres and the Dodgers, but. Um, I'm I'm going to be optimistic, and I'm going to say the San Diego Padres are going to come out on top there in the in the NL West. I'm going to still go with the Dodgers. I think that the Padres are making the playoffs. Clearly, I think it's I think what ends up happening is like the wild card teams are not that hard to predict in my mind, but we'll get to that. So I do think the Dodgers, even though they lost yesterday. Uh, you know, they're on pace for 162 losses. I think they'll they'll right the ship here in a second. <laughs> and uh, I do I do think the Dodgers will win the West. But Padres, I like that. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. What about the Central? Who do you got winning the Central? Oh, you know where I'm going with this one. I'm going to agree with you, too, I think. Yeah, I, I'm going with the Milwaukee Brewers winning, winning the Central. Yeah, I just don't like what the other teams did. I don't think anybody got substantially better. I don't think the Brewers got substantially better either. But I think they were the best team in the division already. So if everybody got kind of the same or worse, um, yeah. I think the Reds are on their way up for sure. Um, and I think the Pirates are going to, you know, make some noise as well and, and be frustrating. But nobody is ready to take the Brewers out right now. And I don't think a wild card team comes from this division either. I think this is the Brewers alone. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be a, a tough battle. I think the Cardinals are probably the closest. because um, I mean, they did essentially yeah, they, steal right. Nolan Arenado from, from the Colorado Rockies. I'm still upset about that trade. Um, but, I mean, the Brewers added Colton Wong and took Colton Wong away from the Cardinals. So that, that's a, a big right. positive for the Brewers. And then they got Jackie Bradley Jr. Um, they got a really strong pitching staff. And I'm really not that sold on, on the Cardinals pitching staff. You know, normally they, they – Got guys coming out of nowhere all the time, but you know, really, outside of Flaherty, um, I'm not that entirely sold. You know, Wainwright could be good again, but he's 39, so it's hardly a guarantee. Uh, yeah. Same thing with with Yadier Molina; he could continue to be good, but he's also getting up there in age, so it, it's really kind of no guarantee with his performance. So. You know, I, I think the Cubs took a step back. I think the Reds took a step back with with the trades that they made. Um, the Pirates, they got they got Kebrian Hayes, and that's about it. And I, don't don't get me wrong, I love Hayes, but they need they need a whole lot more around him, and they don't have it yet. Yeah, I think that the Cardinals would maybe take the the central if it was a 60 game season but i think over the long run that brewers rotation is going to be what separates those two teams yeah. moving on the east i'm interested to hear what you have to say here who's winning the east ooh the the east i think i'm going to i think i'm going to stick with the favorites here and i'm going to go the atlanta braves yep i i agree with you i think the braves are the best team in that division and have been there before, so I'm going to take them as well. Okay, that that leaves. I mean, those are pretty chalky picks, to be honest. Yeah, right? we've so, been a little bit, you know, there in the NL West, but you know, those, yeah, you took a chance. It, it's a coin. I think I'm the one two. going. 
I'm going the one chalk for sure. <laughs> Picking the defending champs to continue to be good after getting yeah. Trevor Bauer. Oh, shock. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> let's do the wild card teams then. Who are the two wild card teams? Ooh, well. Well, if I've got the Padres winning the West, the Dodgers are taking one of the wild card spots. Yeah, I think that's they're not, agreed. Yeah, yeah, they're not missing the playoffs entirely. Um, would be fun though. If they did. Yeah, it, it would. Um, but uh, when it comes to the other wild card yeah, team, mm, you know, I, I think the I think the Central might be a little bit better than some people are are giving it credit. Plus. They always have this devil magic about them that just lets them get in. So I'm going to go with the Cardinals because they're going to pull some sort of devil magic to to get themselves in there because they, they always seem to do so. Tyler O'Neill, 48 home runs. That might be, that goes in our bold prediction. <laughs> Tommy right? Edmond all of a sudden just goes yeah. off on everybody. Yeah, and then everybody that's supposed to be good just is, you know, great. Arenado goes yeah. from being really awesome to – Super awesome or something. I don't know. That's kind of what the Cardinals do. I'm going to yeah. pick the Mets. I think the Mets mm. are a really scary team. And I I don't think that they win the division because they still kind of can do their typical Mets things. Or, you know, they're one DeGrom injury from just like completely torpedoing. Although he's never, yeah. he's, you know, but so they rely but a they lot. They do have on a deeper game. rotation. I mean, they, they still got Stroman. Um, you know, they have yeah, the some too that, you know, they're all kind of injury prone so you know carrasco yeah. and Syndergaard and even stroman too has had some you know well he opted out i guess it's not this quite the same but so i i mean i still like them i still think that they're going to to get that second wild card they're gonna it might even be a really close race i'm just gonna put the braves ahead okay let's get to the playoffs then um who do you got going to the nlcs let's go to that way who do you got going to the nlcs Ooh, nlcs I think I, I think it's going to be a very very interesting matchup, one that I'd be excited to see. Um, but it's got to it's got to go through one of the cities in the West. Um, but as as I have stated here on this podcast, I am a big believer in the San Diego Padres, so I think the Padres are going to be in the NLCS. And it may be a bit of a homer pick, but I think my Milwaukee Brewers are going to be getting there. Nice. Brewers and Padres duking it out there. And who's who's advancing for you? Uh, well, you know, as much as I believe in the Padres, um, you know, I I'm just I'm sticking I'm sticking to to my team, man. It's you, you can call me a homer if you want, um, but I, I think I with I will I, I think with Brandon Woodruff and Corbin Burns leading that rotation, I think Freddie Peralta also is going to establish himself this year, uh, and that that leads to a big three in the rotation. Couple that with Devin Williams and Josh Hader in the bullpen and the dominant arms the Brewers had back there. I think they got enough pitching to hang with anyone. And I think with the offense that um, that they're going to have back this year with Yelich leading the way, I think Travis Shaw is going to get back to his old form. Evisil Garcia is going to be good. Um, Omar, Omar Narvaez is going to be good again. Keston Hira is going to be hitting a lot. Um, I think they got enough to, to hang with anyone. They may not have the name power, but I think they got enough talent. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I'm not going to sit here and say they can't do it. I mean, I can see a path where they they definitely can go to the World Series. Uh, if I'm making predictions, I I think you know I, I I like them winning the division, but beating the Dodgers, Padres, or Braves in the playoffs seems seems like a it's tall a task. Seven game series, anything can happen. Absolutely, and uh, it, these are just predictions. So if I'm gonna I'm gonna 
the play the safe bet. To me, I'm going to do a, a Padres Braves. I'll be a little bit of a homer as well. Um, but I'm going to have the Padres beating the Braves and going to the World Series. So the Padres will go to the World Series. I guess that's a homer pick in both regards, in a sense. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I'm going to take the Padres going to the World Series from the NL. So there we go. We got either the Padres or the Brewers. And who are they going to play in the AL? Let's figure that out. Let's start again in the West. Uh, interesting, I think these divisions are a little bit more uh, up for grabs than the NL. I think the NL are, are pretty obvious choices, and then you might have a surprise here or there. But uh, who do you like in the West in the AL? Seattle Mariners. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> three years from now, yes. Yeah, yeah. Texas Not Rangers. Quite. No. Um, yeah, for for the West, I'm probably going to go with the Houston Astros. I still got a really solid core that's there. So last year for Alex Correa, or Carlos Correa um, and, and a bunch of guys there. So um, I, I think the Astros, as much as as much as they are cheaters, they are still a talented squad, and, and I think they're going to be able to take advantage of that division. That you know, it doesn't really have that much else to really challenge them with. I mean, the Oakland A's, um, they lost a lot of guys uh, this offseason. And uh, the the Los Angeles Angels, they're just not there yet. I agree. I think a lot of people are like, oh, my gosh, the Astros lost so much. But they had so much to begin with that they're still the best team in that division pretty clearly. So I will take the Astros as well. What about the Central? Hmm. Central's tough. There, there's there's a couple of a good competitors there with the White Sox and the Twins. Um, and, you know, you never know what the Indians can do, but, you know, they're not likely to compete much. And Kansas City might surprise, but I'm going to I'm going to stick with the White Sox, even though they lost Eloy. Um, I think they just got such a talented group. I mean, Giolito is, is nasty. there, leading the rotation. And, I mean, just with Luis Robert, with Juan Moncada, with Tim Anderson, with Vaughn, with Abreu, with everyone else they got in that lineup, I mean, they're they're going to be tough to stop. Yeah, you said it perfectly. With Eloy there, it's a no-brainer. In fact, I'd, I'd, I mean, he'll be back, so I probably should have them still going to the World Series, but I would have had them marching on to the World Series if it was a full season of Eloy. So um, I will have them winning the Central. Um, Let's move on to the East. Mm. Man, it, it's hard to count out the Rays, but they did trade away Blake Snell. Um, and I really think that was the stupidest decision that they could have. But, you know, whatever. Um, but Wait till I, Patino I, comes up. Wait till Patino comes up. Yeah, yeah. But God, it's just so tough to make that trade. Um, but also, it's so hard to count them out because even even though they trade away guys who have been successful and guys who have been good with them, they still end up just fine and they still end up good. Um, so it's hard to count them out. So I'll just go with the Rays again. I mean, it, it's just that they, they just have something about them that they're able to to succeed with this method. And I, I just can't count them out. Yeah, I'll count them out. I don't. <laughs> think 60 games anomaly uh the other teams got better especially the team i'm going to pick that's the blue jays i think the blue jays are so i went off a, a little bit there yeah not the yankees that, that, that's not what i was expecting 
Yeah, give me the Blue Jays. Love that lineup. They might have the deepest lineup of any team, honestly, besides perhaps the Dodgers and the Padres. Yeah. When I'm thinking about it in my head right now, like that lineup, one through nine, like Grichik and Tellez and like these guys are batting eighth and ninth and they're like 30 home run bats. It's just insane. Yeah. Uh, I bet they trade for a starter midseason and then that'll be the last piece they need. Let's go Blue Jays. Canada. All right. What about the two wildcard teams? I think this is interesting, too. I have two teams that um, I don't know if you're going to pick. I'm interested to see what you say. All right. Um, so my wildcard teams, I will I will go with the Twins for one. Um, and then I will go with the Yankees for the other. Interesting. Yeah, I was wondering if you're going to do the Twins. I'm thinking about the Twins. I think they're a great, great team. Um I'm wondering what they're doing with Alex Kirilov. I don't know if that has any bearing on what's happening in my predictions here, but it's like, why didn't just bring them up guys? It's whatever. <laughs> um, I'm going to go Yankees as well as another wild card spot. I think they're, they're super good. Um, I'm actually going to go the angels for that second wild card. Oh, spot. yep. Um, I, I liked what I saw last night. I would, I, you know, it's one game, whatever, but this team actually um, with Mike Trout, you know, it, it's hard to bet out, you know, what you said about the Rays, you don't want to count them out. I, I don't ever want to count out Mike Trout, <laughs> no matter what. So um, that lineup looked good. Justin Upton looked decent last night. If he can come back and Otani's there now and Bundy, look, Bundy looked really sharp. The bullpen is short up. They have Joe Adele and Brandon Marsh for reinforcements coming up. Um, give me the Angels for that wild card spot. I don't think they make much noise in the playoffs, but I think they're they're trending up. All right. ALCS. Who do you got? All right. Um, for the ALCS, I am going to have the Chicago White Sox facing off against the Tampa Bay Rays. Nice. Yeah, I think I'm going to have the White Sox in there too, and I don't think they're quite ready for it. It's going to be kind of like a Padres situation last year where they're going to go up against a team like the Yankees, which is what I'm going to pick. Um, and I'm going to say that they lose and then the next year they're ready to get there. But uh, for this year, I think the Yankees will, will overcome the White Sox. And then that leaves me with a Yankees and Padres World Series. And give me the Padres. Bring it down to SoCal for the, your World Series champs. Um, <laughs> according to my records, you have the Brewers. Yep. <laughs> facing off against who? And beating facing who? off against the Wait, Chicago White beating, Sox, man. Beating, beating which one of those two teams? <laughs> it, it's going to be Brewers. Yeah. Brewers and White Sox in the World Series, my prediction, and bringing it home, uh, I suppose, bringing it up here to Milwaukee, finishing it out. I'm all in. I, I see you don't believe in jinxing your team, so. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, fair enough. All right. So there you, there you go. Those are our, our divisional previews and predictions. All right, um, let's finish this off with some bold predictions. So we don't have time to give a bunch, but let's just let's just talk a little bit uh, about some bold predictions. It could be prospect-wise, it could be MLB-wise. What do you think? Uh, again, we want bold. I'm not talking about like, oh, the Yankees are going to win a wild card. Like that. No, no. We want to get bold here. So uh, what do you do? You have anything for me that's uh, you know spicy take, whatever you want to call it, hot takes. Well, uh, I, I think my Brewers World Series prediction might have already qualified for that. But no, I, I got a I got a couple here. Um, so 
just kind of circling back also on the on the Brewers content here. I'm a big believer that Travis Shaw is going to to come back and find his old form and be a really strong uh, player, not only for the Brewers, but also a strong fantasy player to have. Um, and I had uh, my own bold predictions over at, uh, at my other site at Reviewing the Brew. Um, and I said Travis Shaw is going to hit 30 home runs this year. Uh, I think he, he's got the power for it for sure, and I think he's in a good spot. And I think he's going to end up getting pretty much everyday playing time, and I think he's going to hit 30 homers. 30? I feel like a bold one would say 40. Like, let's get bold. <laughs> can, he hit, can he hit 40? Uh, well, at, at the most he's hit when he was right uh, was 32 in a season. Yeah. So he hasn't quite gone that much. Um, but I, I think just with you know him already scheduled to split playing time with Orlando Arcia a little bit at third base, yeah, I, I think 30 is is kind of – I think it's bold enough for, for him to get back it to that. Bold, but, yeah. I mean, yeah. if you want to go bolder, I mean, I, I predicted the Brewers are going to throw a no-hitter this year. That was bold. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. It's I, been I've, 34 years since the Brewers threw one, since Juan Nieves back in 1987. Yeah. So yeah. they got the arms. They got the defense. I think they can do it. Fun fact, I've seen one no-hitter live in person at a stadium. Nice. Which one? It was a San Diego Padres, San Francisco Giants game. Let's see if you can figure it out based on that. Uh, was it? I don't think it was thrown by the Padres. It was so. not. Um, I'm gonna White. guess it was a giant. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna guess Madison Bumgarner. Close. Tim Lincecum threw a no. Ah, for big time Timmy Jim. Yeah, one of my favorite pitchers of all time. It was a really cool moment to see, um, in person live. Very awesome. So no hitters are fun. Um, okay, here's a bold prediction for you. I, I did the Blue Jays winning the East, right? So for that yeah. to happen, some crazy things probably need to to happen. And I'm gonna I'm gonna say that Vlad Guerrero hits 330 or better. Ooh, 330. Man, that's that's up there. Yeah. I know he had a. I, I think Pipeline gave him like an 80 grade hit tool coming up. Um, so it's it's possible. Uh, we haven't seen that yet from him, but no, of course not. But I like it. Yeah, I think uh, the shape he got in, how fun that team's going to be, the protection he has, how good he looked in the spring. I think we're ready. I think we're ready for it. I think people are sleeping on Guerrero Jr. as well. How, do you remember how much hype was around him? Just like oh, so much ago? hype. So because he he's Vlad Guerrero's kid, and and yeah. he's and he. Like, I think the saying on him was like, he's essentially a carbon copy of Vlad Guerrero, but he has an understanding of the strike zone and isn't going to swing at balls that hit the dirt and still somehow gets base hits off of them. Um, So the fact that he's got that, like there was so much hype and, you know, I'm really hoping that he's able to live up to it. Yeah, I'm. I think it's going to be a monster year. I don't know. I didn't want to do the home runs, but I think he's going to hit like a, a well above 300. So we'll see. We'll see how high it goes. All right. Give me a non-Brewers. Well, you have a non-Brewers one, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I, I got one. I, I got a non-Brewers and, and a prospect one together. Love it. Um, I, don't, I don't know exactly how bold uh, you may consider this, um, but because I know his timeline's kind of been um, whatever, but Bobby Witt Jr., will make his major league debut this year. That is a bold one. I think we're at 50-50 now to, for that, yeah. to happen, which isn't great, but you think he's going to come up, huh? 
Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's probably not going to be, you know, June or something, but maybe a, a, he gets a September call-up spot down there in, in Kansas City. I could see it. Where's he going to play, though? That's what I want to know. You think who? It, it's play. Bobby Wood Jr. You will find a spot. You're just going to find a spot, huh? Second? <laughs> You'll find a spot. You could put him at DH or something. I mean... You he can can't, just, it, it's actually trickier than you think. That's why I'm I'm putting it at 50-50. I mean, his best path is probably Hunter Dozier sucks. Like, that's probably the best path. <laughs> and they just signed him oh, to an extension, didn't they? Yeah, but like, because Mondesi's there, Witt's at second, and, you know, unless you want to put him out into the outfield, I guess you can put him in the outfield. I don't know. I mean, because so if you bring him up in September, the minor league season is over anyways. Um, so, I mean, he could just get some pinch hit at bats or something, but yeah, it's, I, I think Dayton Moore, uh, the, the GM of the Royals has been, uh, pretty open and willing to, you know, give, give spots to, to guys like that. And, you know, they were considering putting him on the roster, um, you know, however seriously or not. Um, but with what, I've read about Dayton Moore and how he runs yeah, his organization. They are, you're right. They are not going to be into manipulating service time. So if they feel he's big league ready, they'll call him up. Yeah. I guess I'm just thinking if, uh, if there's being, you know, if they're in the hunt, which they probably won't be. So I love it yeah. though. I love Bobby Witt. He, he's moving up. He's a, he's probably number five for me total, like overall. Yeah. Who, who do you got ahead of him? You got obviously, um, Kelnick, you got yep. Wander Franco. Yeah, right now I'm at uh, Franco, Luciano, Kelnick, Julio. No, Julio, Kelnick, Wit. No, so Wit would be six. I got Abrams ahead of him too. So ah, sixth. I'm gonna have Abrams ahead of Wit. There you go. Yeah. Speaking of which, one of those guys, um, Julio Rodriguez. That's my next one. He will make his debut this year. Ooh, another bold one. Yeah, especially like considering that. how the Mariners run their organization. Yeah, I'm hoping I'm hoping that uh, he just does so much that they're like, screw it, we're bringing him up, we're signing to an extension, whatever. I don't know, but it's a bold prediction. <laughs> so yeah. uh, considering you know people are putting 2023 ETAs on him, uh, yeah. uh, let's, let's see him for a month this year. Yeah, hey, I, I'm down with it. When I went when I was down in uh, spring training there. Um, I watched the the Mariners play the Brewers, and in that lineup in the six seven spots, you had Kelnick six, Julio Rod- Rodriguez seventh, and I'm just like, oh man, this is uh, this is great. And Kelnick went yard, and then a few innings later, Rodriguez went yard. I'm like, this is what Mariners fans have to look forward to in, in the near future. Except they're going to be hitting much higher in the order than sixth and seventh. Yep, I love it. I think. Uh... Julio you know, bumped up his stock for me, to be honest, this spring. He looks ready. He looks like he's all in. You know, I love to, I love to get that feeling from prospects. I don't always get it, you know. Like, for, like honestly, like Wander, I don't get that he's like all in. You know, I, I know the talent's there. It was just I just don't feel like he is all in, maybe because I haven't seen enough of him. He's still my number one. But right. for like for some reason, I just get like Julio – He's got it. You know, he, he wants to be the best player ever. And, and so, I don't know. It's just a, a feeling more than anything. Um, all right. Let's do one more each, and then uh, then we'll sign off. So, do you got one more for me? Um, yeah, I got I got one more for you. I don't know how how bold exactly this this is. 
Um, but I suppose it might depend on when he gets called up. Jared Kelnick is going to be the American League Rookie of the Year. Yeah, well, I don't like hearing that for my bet, but <laughs> <laughs> um, very good. Yeah, I, I, I mean, it's it's got to be Kelnick or Randy, right? Those are the two. Right. Things, I'd imagine with uh, Andrew probably a distant third. Yeah. But yeah, I think Kelnick. I'm ready, man. I'm ready to see him. Just bring him up, guys. Guys, so stupid. And baseball, like I love baseball so much, but I'm talking to my coworkers and they're not, you know, nearly as much into baseball as I am. And they just ask these basic questions that I have to be like, I don't know why baseball does these things. You know, yeah. it's like, how could you imagine a basketball team not you know, like stashing a guy in the G League because you know of service time? It's just yeah, crazy. And the NFL, like. A quarterback, you know, they do it, I guess, a little bit with the quarterbacks and stuff. But, like, you want to get your guy on a rookie contract into the lineup as soon as possible. It's just such a weird backwards sport in some regards. It's Yeah, the, there's a whole lot that they're going to have to hammer out there in the next CBA. And that's always going to go over smoothly. Uh, yeah. Not at all. Yeah. Uh, so that's going to be very interesting uh, to watch. And it, it's certainly the, the biggest point. It feels like the players are going to be talking about when it comes to negotiation. So hopefully that'll be fixed in the near future and we won't have to worry about a guy like Kelnick being left off the roster for the first month um, and then being brought up because of service time. And he can just be on the roster because the Mariners could use him. Yeah, baseball could use him, man. We're keeping the best talent like you know, Wander and Bobby and all these guys are so fun and would be so awesome to come up. And yet we're like, nah, just stay down there in the minors on your buses and your hotels that are like two star hotels. But all right. Anyway, uh, before I become too much of a Debbie Downer, let me get to my last prediction and then we'll uh, we'll sign off here. I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Kind of a fun one. Again, we're in like a no man's land. We'll get some minor league data here soon. Uh, alternate site stuff soon. They'll give us some more things to talk about. We also have some guests lined up as well coming on soon. We have some new writers on the site I want to introduce you guys to in the future. We have some old favorites as well I want to bring on. So we'll get to some guests next week. But my last one here is that when we do our updates for the top 100 prospects on the site as a whole, all of us will have Michael Harris as a top 25 prospect for the Atlanta Braves. For the Atlanta Braves? Michael, say, could you light me on, on Michael Harris here a little bit? Michael Harris. Don't worry. In October, when we do these, he'll be in your top 25. So, um, Top 25? Top 25 overall prospects in baseball, Michael Harris. What position is he? Michael Harris is a outfielder, an outfielder for the Atlanta Braves. He is uh, a 19-year-old, and he is flashing some tools that are just insane they've in the brave circles are calling him the left-handed acuna and stuff like that lofty oh. stuff and uh, performed very very well in spring training um a couple of publications out there are giving me the confidence to do this um i don't know if you follow rotowire at all um i Not love much i love rotowire james anderson i don't know he, you know if he listens it probably doesn't but uh he's one of the guys i really really trust and so he did an update and I was already very high on Michael Harris, but he bumped him up already on his recent update to like 45, top 45. Um, huh. So there's others out there that are, are, are getting to know this guy. And I am 
Um, just letting you know. Yeah, he has him at 48. He A jump from about 220, I think he was at, to 48 this update for wow. James Anderson. So, again, it's all about who you trust in the industry. He's just he, James is one of the guys I trust a lot and um, uh, confirmed things I already was thinking. So I was like, all right, let's go even further. Top 25 bold predictions. So there I, you go. I'll tell you one thing. I got a, a very down-the-line bold prediction now if you want that. Yes, I do. A 2035 first round draft pick, if you will. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, the, the, like I said, this is way down the line. So according to uh, the, this article uh, that I read by, uh, by Adam McAlvey, so, you know, Ryan Braun is currently like semi-retired. He hasn't officially retired yet, but he's just kind of hanging out with his family and thinking about maybe coming back later in the season. Mm-hmm. His five-year-old son is a natural left-handed hitter with a swing just like his dad. <laughs> so if he's got a swing, just, and Ryan Braun has one of the smoothest right-handed swings uh, I've ever seen, and just it's been one of the best swings for the last 15 years. And if his son has the same swing and it's lefty, I'll give me that all day long. So <laughs> if, if we are still doing a podcast around that, uh, we will check your work and see where that ends up. That's, uh, I mean, we love our juniors here on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, the the Vladdy juniors, the Brian juniors, Brian Braun Jr. I'm not even sure if that's his name, but it should be. No, no, it's, guaranteed it's Grayson, yeah. Grayson Braun. Yeah, it's, he needs to change that to Ryan Braun Jr. <laughs> <laughs> you you oh. gotta stick with the juniors, otherwise it's just not gonna work. No, it doesn't. Um, that's it. I think that's enough for today. Thanks for listening, everybody. Appreciate it. It's good to be back. Thanks for indulging David and I in a reunion of sorts, letting us give you your predictions and and uh, some bold ones at that, and going over our you know articles. So really do appreciate everybody listening to the podcast. We will be back next week at our normally scheduled time. Um, again, one day late, but you get a little bit extra here, I think, uh, in terms of the the length of this podcast, a little bonus time for you if you were waiting for it. But we will see you next week at normal time. David, anything else to say before we sign off? Just enjoy the season, man. It's We're finally back, and baseball's back, and fans are in the stadium, and just just enjoy the time, and, and we can't take it, take it for granted anymore. Absolutely not. I'm going to go sign off here and go watch some baseball tonight. I got my uh, the Padres. We can check them out, see if we can get Marcano in there. Um, everybody, again, thanks for uh, listening. This is a Futures Focus podcast. I'm Alex Sanchez with David Gasper. This is a podcast courtesy of Prospects 1500. See you later.